Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. How many of you have ever used a mediator before? Anybody? Well, let me give you some suggestions of mediators we've used. How many of you have brothers and sisters? Right? How many of you ever asked your brother or sister to go ask mom and dad? Right? That's a mediator. Right? Or when you're in middle school or high school and you send your friend to talk to that boy or girl and say, hey, so-and-so likes you. Right? We've done that. At work, somebody standing in your behalf to go and say, hey, you know, this is a guy you need to consider. Um, somebody who takes you under, under your wing, under their wing. We call them champions. Um, and so we, it's always appreciated. The question is, for us, spiritually, who is our mediator? Who is our mediator? And so that's what we're going to be exploring this morning, Christ our mediator. We're going to pick up in Hebrews 9 and read verse 15 through verse 28. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant. So that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions, that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there must be of necessity be the death of the one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead, for it is never enforced while the one who made it lives. Therefore, even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and of the goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. And in the same way he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry with the blood. And according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. Therefore it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise he would have had needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the consummation of the ages he, had, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of, for men, of many, will appear a second time for salvation, 
without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word, and I thank You for the work that Jesus Christ did. And I thank You that He is our mediator. That we don't look to somebody to offer the blood of bulls and goats today, but we know that the shed blood of Christ has taken care of that requirement. And so as we dig into these verses, I pray that you'll open up our eyes, you'll help us to see what you are saying here, and that you'll speak to us individually and apply that truth to our lives. May we walk out of here different because we've each individually met with you today. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Thank you for speaking. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to discuss Christ as our mediator. We're going to see the new covenant, the requirement of blood, and a better sacrifice. When we, as we begin, we see the new covenant. We're told that Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant, which by implication means there was an old covenant, right? And so the old covenant was made long ago with Abraham. And at the time when he made it, there was a bull sacrificed. I'll give you the verses so you guys can go read it later. And God made the covenant of himself and passed through. And it was all dependent solely upon the Lord. It wasn't dependent upon any behavior of Abraham, but God made the covenant to Abraham. We uh, that's found in Genesis chapter fifteen, verses one through eighteen. But the thing with the old covenant, as they picked up in the Levitical system, is there was a sacrifice every single year for sin of the people and of the priest that was offering the blood for the sin of the people and himself. And so the fact that it had to be offered once a year tells us that it did not cleanse them from their sins. We know from scripture that it only covered the sin and anything that happened after that was offered was new sin and was not taken care of. But then there's a new covenant that comes along. There's a new covenant. Jesus came and he gave his own life for us. And initiated in the new covenant. The old shows us and teaches us about the requirement of blood and of death to for sins. And then Jesus meets that permanently with the sacrifice of himself once for all time. And that's the beauty of what Jesus did. When he said it is finished, he meant it is finished. There is no more need for sacrifice of sin. There is no more need to keep offering the blood of bulls and goats. There's no more need to look anywhere else but to Him. And when we look to Him, we are saved. We enter into the new covenant because of what Jesus did for us. He talks here about that those called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. See, the new covenant comes... With a promise. The old covenant did not. There's a promise of eternal life. And so, so often I hear people talk about, you know, the opportunity 
their salvation. Or somebody gave their salvation. This was a new one that came out a few years back that we can give our salvation away. Which is crazy. When you, Why would you ever do that? It makes no sense to me. But by definition, salvation is eternal life, right? Amen? Eternal means no ending, right? So if He has given us eternal life, we can't blow it. We can't give it away. We can't ruin it. We're secure for eternity because we have eternal life. And that's found in Christ and Christ alone. Because the Bible tells us that we're in Him and He's in us. And the very life of Christ is our life. We see that in Galatians 2.20. Where it says, uh, for I've been, uh, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the power of the Son of God, who died and gave his life for me. And that is how we're supposed to live this life, in the power of God, not in our own strength. All of you exhausted Christians, I've got good news for you. It's time for a rest. We don't live in our own strength. We live in the strength of Christ. And if He can't do it, it don't need to be done. And paying attention to that and yielding to that, being sensitive to that, is part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and part of ourselves submitting ourselves and being controlled by the Spirit of God. And so here, He talks about this, about the, eternal, about the promise of the eternal inheritance. There's no need to renew it. It's eternal. So it was insufficient before. But that was never meant to be the sufficiency. The law and legalism and, and following sets of rules was never meant to provide life. Life isn't found in that. Life is found in one thing, and in Jesus Christ. And apart from Him, there is no life. And so this new covenant, really interesting here. He says, uh, a covenant is only valid when men are dead. And the one making it has to give their life. Well, he's referring to Christ. He could not have ushered in the new covenant without actually dying. You know, there was a movement a few years ago that talked about the cross as a fake out. <laughs> Anybody ever hear any of this stuff? It's crazy. You should hear the stuff I hear. Where that Jesus didn't really die. He was kind of, he was comatose and they took him down and he recovered from his sins. Or from, from his sin. From his crucifixion. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. The Bible says that he died. In so much that the Roman soldiers, who were masters of crucifixion, you know what they used to do if, if people would linger? Crucifixion, how people die is not through the, with the spikes. That's not how they kill. They die of suffocation. Because they can't breathe and they can't expand their lungs anymore. And if somebody's lingering for a while, they'll come and break their legs so that they can't push up anymore to breathe. But when they got to Jesus Christ, 
They were there to break his legs, and they found him dead on the cross, which fulfilled scripture as well, where not a bone of his was ever broken. It's amazing how God knew centuries before exactly what would happen. And so Jesus ushered in this new covenant. And that's what's going on here. If, if um, you've been following our study on Hebrews, what the author of Hebrews is doing here is he is writing to Israel to tell them that you've been holding on to this legal system and you missed Christ. And he's trying to show them the, the linkage between what God gave you and how Christ fulfilled it. That's the beautiful story of here of how he's laying out the story and the purpose and work of Jesus Christ. And so we move from the new covenant to the, the requirement of blood. The first covenant here was inaugurated by blood. And we talked, we talked in Genesis 15, the bold sacrifice that God passed between. It was not, that was, do you realize that was not the first blood sacrifice? For sin. When Adam and Eve were in the garden. Y'all remember that? Remember that story? They're in the garden. And they eat of the fruit of the tree. We don't know what kind of fruit it was. Remember there's two trees in the garden. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For those of you here for the first time, or those of you that may not have heard me say this before, have you, have you ever wondered why the tree of the knowledge of good can cause death in the day you eat of it? We think of that as the evil tree and the good tree, don't we? But that's not what they're called in Scripture. You have the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which brings death in the day you eat of it. That's what they were told by God. The reason that that tree brings death is we were never meant to live out of our own resources. When we start doing that, when we stop living, we talked about we're being cruci we're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet I, not I, but Christ lives in me in the life of which I live by the power of the Son of God. That's the way it was meant to be from the beginning. So some people are pursuing good instead of pursuing Christ. And there is no life found in pursuing good or evil. It's only self-righteousness that you end up with. We're given the story again, and, we, and, and I hate the name of this, this, how we know this, but I'm going to use it so you'll know what I'm talking about. The story of the prodigal son. Well, who was the prodigal son? That's my question. We all think it's the one who took his money and went off. But there was another son that I think was just as prodigal. Because he, we always think, well, he, he blew it, he made bad choices, and the father loved him anyway. Isn't that the story how we all hear it? But see, he thought his choices would keep him from being loved by the Father, which wasn't true. And the other one thought his choices made, told the Father that he had to love him. 
And he didn't love him because of his choices. He loved him because he was his son. He loved them both because they were his son, not based on their choices. That's why the tree of the knowledge of good and evil produces death, because it produces either evil works or self-righteousness, which is an evil work also. There is no life found in that tree. There's only life found in the tree of life, which was Jesus Christ, a representation of Christ. And what did he tell them? He said, "Be kicked." Why do you know why they got kicked out of the garden? They got kicked out of the garden so they would not eat of that other tree and live in that state forever. God does not leave us with a good dog and a bad dog inside. He prevented that from the beginning, from the foundation of the world, and He doesn't leave us with a fallen, sin, broken-down nature after He saves us. We're a brand new creation in Christ. It took me forever to figure that out. When I first heard that, I thought the guy was a heretic. So if you're feeling that way, you're in good company. Well, that's assuming I'm good company. That might be a stretch. <laughs> but as I studied Scripture more and more and more and more and more, it said it over and over and over. And I just never saw it. And so going back, Adam and Eve, they sin. They cover themselves with fig leaves. But that was insufficient, wasn't it? How do we know that? Because God covered them in animal skins. Where did God get an animal skin? He killed an animal. He shed blood to cover them. So my question is, was it actually the skin that covered them or was it the blood of the animal? It's a good question, right? That's one of those theology questions. Listen, if you'd like to discuss that, Stephen will be available after service. <laughs> so, the blood sacrifice wasn't exactly new with the um, Abrahamic covenant. So when Moses here finishes reading the commandment to all the people. He took the blood and sprinkled the book in the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. So he took and made literal application of the blood to the book and to the people. So they saw it. It was spiritual application, but they saw it being applied. He showed them how it's being applied. The establishment of the blood requirement set the stage for the work of Christ. Blood is required. But then he didn't stop there. He went on and he sprinkled the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Because all things are cleansed with blood. You know. Purity matters to the Lord. <laughs> Purity matters. Now, this is where we get nervous as Christians. I want you to not be nervous this morning. I'm going to, I'm going to explain why. We think about ourselves in terms of have I sinned or haven't. I, have I sinned today or not, right? Essentially. We live with this mentality 
did I sin or not sin? Did I avoid it? I'm a bad person if I sin, or I'm a good person if I don't. Don't we do that? Right? They even approached Jesus that way, and they said, you're a good man. Now, what did Jesus say? He said, there's none good, none on one. He didn't even receive that. You know why? Because it's not achieved by human effort. Jesus walked perfectly, didn't he? Amen? He was perfect. But when they talked about him being good, when they applied that to the word good to his perfection, he rejected it. Because it wasn't faith in what you do, it's faith in who you know. Well, pastor, that means that I can just do whatever. You can do whatever. The difference is when you're in love with somebody, you don't want to do whatever. We could all run around here and shoot people and run around and do whatever. Rob banks. We could get this could be a conglomerate. We could all decide to rob a bank today. We could decide that. Well, why would we? Why would we? Why would we take from somebody? See, that's what we're afraid of. I'm not afraid of that because if Jesus is real in your life, he is going to minister to you. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to your heart. He's going to show you. And when he does convict you of sin, his conviction of sin comes with hope. It always comes with hope. Because when he comes and says, Mark, you really shouldn't do that, you're missing out on this. But when the enemy brings condemnation, he will come and tell me how bad I am. And that's how you discern between the difference between conviction and condemnation by the enemy. That's how it works. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Thank God for Jesus. Which brings us to our better sacrifice. Because Jesus was absolutely a better sacrifice. Then there was something interesting here. And I've read this before, but I've never seen this. I mean, I read it, but I didn't see it. You ever done that in Scripture? You ever read a verse that you read before and went, Hey, I didn't know that was in that verse. <laughs> he says this, that, that basically that the tabernacle was a copy of things in heaven. So when God instructed them in Leviticus, which is a, is a fantastic book if you've never read it, it can be tedious. Not as tedious as Chronicles, but tedious. He was showing them what things are like in heaven. Isn't that cool? That God loved them so much, even with this requirement of prepping them for Christ, he wanted to give them a glimpse. And so this is a copy. The tabernacle was a copy of the things in heaven. Now here, it needed to be cleansed. And through that, we see worship. We come before God and we lay ourselves bare before God. Didn't Jesus give the story of the two that were praying? And one was like, oh, look what I've done, Lord. Pay attention. And the other was like, I'm undone before you. 
Because when we see God, we see our need, don't we? We take an honest look. And so, worship and purity are important. The tabernacle sacrifice helps us to see the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. I mean, if this is just a copy, imagine what the real thing is like. Imagine the real thing. You know, we see, uh, go and read it, Isaiah 9, 6. We see the Lord high and lifted up. And the train of his robe fills the temple. You know, when I think of a long train, everybody, anybody remember uh, Princess Diana? When she, did y'all see that on TV? That thing, I mean, that's a lot of material. <laughs> and these big royal weddings and these trains that go there. I think they ain't got nothing on our Lord. <laughs> Imagine that thing just filling, just wrapping around, going through there. And the angels flying around with their eye, their faces covered and their feet covered, crying, holy, holy, holy. That ought to give you goosebumps. And he's showing them this is a picture. It's a picture of that. The holy place that Christ entered was not the one in the tabernacle. It wasn't made with hands. He entered into the very presence of God, not the copy, because he was the original. Isn't that cool? He went into the very place that this was made after and seated and was seated at the right hand of the Father. See, that's why he's a better sacrifice. He's a better sacrifice. Because it's not, I mean, isn't an original always better than a copy? Right? You know, there's some, there's some originals, and then a lot of copies come along after that. You know, there's an original Philly cheesesteak sandwich, right, somewhere. And there have been a lot of copies made. But when you're in that, when you're in that, how many of you, when you travel, try to go to, to local cuisine when you're traveling to get that, the real stuff, right? Yeah, I do too. I want the real thing. I don't want to go to McDonald's. I don't like to go to McDonald's when I'm here. But that's a whole other thing. You need to edit that. I'm not anti-McDonald's. But we like the real thing. We want the original. We don't want to copy. We don't want something that's made to be like that. And so, the repeated blood sacrifice made by the early priests was annually. It was all the time. They had to constantly make it because it did not deal with the sin. It only covered it. Where Jesus, when he came in, he removed our sin as far as the what? East is from the west. When you were saved... How many of your sins did Jesus die? Well, when you were, before you were even born, how many of your sins did Jesus die for? All of them, right? Would that be birth to death? Would we say that? Would y'all all say that with me? Yeah? So when he saved you, how many of the sins that you commit from birth to death does he deal with? All of them. Even the ones after you prayed and received Christ, right? Otherwise, we're not saved, right? Because if I have undealt with sin that has not been removed by, by Jesus Christ, then I'm lost. So, 
Why are you still trying to deal with something that Jesus already handled? We do it our whole Christian life, don't we? And he's like, why are you doing that? Why don't you fall? The Bible tells us, set your heart and your affections on things above. You know, I remember when I was young in, in, as a, in college age, and I was just getting started, and God was starting to work on me about a calling and things. I remember somebody gave me, at that time, I thought was good advice. They said, if you're struggling with a sin, memorize scripture about that sin. Anybody ever been given that advice before I ever heard it? Just me. Maybe I, <laughs> like, you need more scripture. <laughs> the problem is, when you do that, what am I focusing on? The sin. Exactly. We're not called to focus on sin. We're called to set our hearts on Christ and pay attention to Him and listen to Him. If I'm walking in the Spirit, can I sin at the same time? Nope. You cannot. If I'm walking in the Spirit of God and He's leading me and I'm obeying Him, I cannot. He's never going to lead me into sin. He won't do it. If I walk myself in a sin and I make a choice to sin, I'm no longer at that moment walking in the Spirit. I can't. You can't do both. And so, Jesus secured a better sacrifice for us. He goes on, he tells us that men are appointed once to die. And then the judgment, see, Christ died once. But will return not to die again, but to get those who eagerly await him. We'd go today, wouldn't we? If we heard the trumpet, we would all go today, wouldn't we? Anybody? Does anybody who would stay here? Just chicken. Man, when the bus pulls up, I'm hoping I want to get on. <laughs> At least that bus. How many of you know some people you wish were on that bus with you? We all know people that need the Lord, don't we? Right? We have, that's our calling now. I think this is, this is, um, I don't, well, this is just my conviction. Okay, I'm just going to share my conviction. I'm open, if you see scripture on this, that's different than what I share. Scripture's right and I'm wrong. Okay? But the Bible says that he'll wipe away every tear in, in heaven. That every tear will be wiped away. And I've heard two or three different things on that. But I have to wonder if some of that is us, our hearts breaking, knowing that our loved ones, didn't, some of them didn't make it. Or people we cared about didn't make it. Maybe. There's a real deep theological answer to that that has to do with the fact that crying is no longer needed, so he removes the tear ducts. Maybe. But we still have him for the fact that he's wiping tears away. Folks, we have a better sacrifice than self-effort. And it's our job to communicate that. Jesus is a better sacrifice than the blood of ranting goats. He did it once for all. 
He doesn't need to be re-sacrificed every Sunday. He doesn't need to be re-sacrificed because when he did it, it was finished. To tell us that it was done, it was complete. The removal, the application, the appeasement of God was made at that point. And that's what he's communicating to Israel here. That Jesus had done it. And so for us, that should motivate us. That should take us, carry us to share with our friends and family. You know, how many of you have ever had a friend die that you didn't know if they were saved or lost? I have two. I just had one just recently. A good friend uh, back in, um, I think it was October. I talked to him. And about 18 hours later, he was dead. No indication. 56 years old. Folks, don't wait. If you're thinking of somebody or you have an urgency in your heart for somebody, just call them. Tell them you love them. Tell them the story. Say, tell them that Jesus changed your life and you want to share how he did that. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection the cross the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Tell them. I encourage you to tell them. So what do we learn from this study on Jesus as our mediator? Well, one thing we learn is being good enough will not get you into heaven. Boy, there's a lot of bad out there related to people's hopes and confidence about why they're going to heaven. You know, there's the old, the old scales of justice. You know, I hope my good outweighs my bad. You know, I used to... How many of y'all remember Evangelism Explosion? Anybody? Thank you. There was an illustration in there that talked about two glasses of water. And you take a pinch of cyanide and put it in the glass and offer it to the people. Would they accept it? And they're like, which one would you take? Well, I'd take the one without it. Why? There's more water than cyanide in there. That's, isn't that good enough? But yet we think that's good enough with God. But it ain't good enough for us. Listen, it ain't about works, folks. Being good enough ain't going to get you there. People are striving and they're exhausted and they're frustrated with God and they're blaming Him for it. Jesus said, if you take my yoke upon you, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you think of eggs when I say that? <laughs> you all know what a yoke is? It's not the orange thing. Well, it is the orange thing, isn't it? But not here. The yoke is the, is the, uh, the ring that goes around in the, the straps and all that that's cinched around the ox. I can tell you personally about yokes that are too tight. One of, we have, at, some of you know, some of you have met them, some of you haven't. We have two horses that are rescue horses on our property. One of them had a halter that was cutting into the bone of the nose. It was really tight. The first thing I did was I removed that halter. 
he's filling in. He's come along. You know now he's getting a little fat. So he's come a long way. But imagine how uncomfortable that is. You're not uncomfortable when you slip into Christ's yoke. He said, my yoke is easy. And his burden is light. We think, no, it's a heavy burden. You're right. It is a super heavy burden. You try to carry it. But we were never meant to carry his burden. He carries his own burden. And you know what's really interesting is we are his burden. <laughs> he carries us and allows us to participate with him. And so realize being good enough isn't going to get you into heaven. Blood's required in Jesus' shed. Two, our sacrifice is better because it was complete and he will return for us. When Jesus finished, it was done, 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 done. And when you're in him and he's in you, that part is settled. Now, you may be saying, you've lost your mind because I still struggle with sin sometimes. Or, you know, there's things that I like about sin. Well, no kidding. Right? If sin wasn't fun, none of us would ever do it. <laughs> you know? I generally don't hammer nails into my hand because, you know, who does that? We don't like it. We avoid it. It's got to be something we like. You know, and I... <laughs> I use my artichoke example a lot. I'm not tempted by artichokes. They're nasty. They taste like hairspray to me. Like some people hate Dr. Pepper. They think it tastes like cough syrup. Right? They're not they're usually not from Texas. <laughs> That's horrible. But we're not tempted by things we don't like. We're tempted by the things we do like. And it appeals to our flesh. That's what's left. That's what's unredeemed. That's what we struggle with. Not a sin nature, but a flesh. Because one day we'll get a new body. Amen to that. I put in an order for an upgrade. <laughs> I have a couple things I would like. And so Jesus did it all. And he's coming back. Don't trust works. Don't trust Christ plus. Boy, there was a movement here about 15 years ago in this community that said it was, all, it was Jesus plus the law. You had to obey all the law to be right with God. Listen, Jesus is never going to lead me to violate the law. But he made me right with God. I am righteous because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not by anything that I do. I don't deliver my own righteousness. Here you go. I mean, read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You can write that down and read that letter. Three. Our inheritance is eternal. We don't have to worry about messing it up or ruining it. See, when Jesus saved you, his sacrifice was sufficient. And when he saved you, he saved you to eternal life. You're in the hand of God. Nobody can pluck you out. Not even you. That's the beautiful story. 
It's eternal. It's not annual. It's not once a year. And hoping that some dude in there is, is getting his own sins right before he does it. Jesus didn't have any sins to deal with. Isn't that good news? <laughs> That's the mediator I want. That's the one I want standing before the Father saying, Yep, but my blood took care of it. That may be true to the enemy. But telling the Lord, telling the Father, my blood took care of it. You know, I was reading the story about a daddy and his little girl. And he took her to the park one, one uh, Saturday afternoon. When they were there, he heard an ice cream vendor. Y'all remember when you used to have the little ice cream vendor with the cart and the big, they looked like bicycle tires. You ever remember those? I remember, I remember, I saw him on Andy Griffith. <laughs> but yeah, this little bicycle cart was going through the park. And he thought he'd go buy his daughter an ice cream. He wanted to give her something beautiful. Something wonderful, right? Isn't ice cream wonderful? Have y'all tried Andy's ice cream? It's really good. You want to try it. So he buys her this ice cream and he walks over to her. And she was in the sandbox playing and having a good old time. And she turns around and her mouth is filled with sand. Kids don't ever do that, do they? <laughs> so he picks her up and he shows her the ice cream and cleans the sand out, takes her to the water fountain and rinses her mouth out, gets all the sand out, and she enjoys the ice cream. The moral of the story is this. Sometimes we live content with a mouthful of sand when God wants to give us ice cream. So, if you want to know what you learned in church, God wants to give you ice cream. <laughs> but that's the beauty. God always has something better for us if we'll do it His way. If we'll listen and pay attention and follow. Amen? Amen. Amen. Much everybody bow their head and close their eyes.